Good morning. Um, this, is, this is Life Group Sunday, and so what we do at least once a year is we, we pause on a Sunday morning to emphasize something that's a vital part of our church, and that's walking through real life together. And, man, I mean, the truth is, like, being able to do this kind of stuff with each other, just like, what's real? What's going on in your life? Where do you need encouragement? Where do you need help? Man, if you're, if you're struggling, if, and there's no judgment, like a place where you can be real about struggles that you're walking through and link arms. And so, I mean, I think in some ways we're kind of putting into practice a little bit just in our midst this morning what it looks like. But um, we believe in the importance of, of walking through life with each other, lifting each other up, bearing one another's burdens. Does that make sense? That's a huge part of, of our heart as a church. So... Um, yeah, so let me jump into this a little bit. So I want to just give you five quick things that are a point of emphasis for our life groups and why we meet consistently and regularly with one another, all right? So this is all kind of taken from John chapter 6. I'm going to briefly read a couple of verses along the way, but mostly I'm just going to kind of recap the heart of what's happening in this story. Um, this is actually rooted in a two-week series we did last year. And so I just want to hit some of the high points from that because it kind of emphasizes what our life groups are about. So you could get a more in-depth look at this if you just go back one year to early September next year. So here we go, John chapter 6. Now, to give you the backdrop of this, Jesus and his disciples are coming off of a really long stretch. Um, They've had a lot going on. They've been pouring out and pouring into other people's lives. Um, and at the tail end of all of that labor, you know those just busy seasons where you just feel like you got nothing left? You're like at the end of your rope. That's where they are. And then they find out John the Baptist has been killed. And so they're tired, they're weary, and now they're incredibly discouraged. And that's the backdrop for all that happens next. And so I'm going to cheat a little bit because I said this is based in John chapter 6. But in Mark's gospel, chapter 6, he gives us a really key verse that lets us know where they are at, where their mentality is as they're getting ready to embark on the next series of stories that all happen over a two-day period. Okay, and so in Mark 6, he describes kind of their condition this way. They've just been told the news about John the Baptist. They're exhausted. And in Mark 6, 31, Jesus said to them, this is him and his disciples, his core group, he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. I just have to say, the, the, the first thing that I hope that our life groups will be for people is a place where the weary can find rest. Life is busy, and it's full. And the funny thing is, a lot of times, the, the, the excuse that comes in to not participate in like a consistent group is, life is so busy. But I just have to tell you, life is too busy not to slow down and connect in meaningful relationships where we can pray for one another, we can encourage one another, and, and we can be a source of rest and refreshment for the weary. Does that make sense? Like, I, I've, I have been in life groups for much of, of my Christian walk, my Christian life. And there have been many weeks where I did not want to go. I'm tired, I'm worn out. And in a lot of those weeks, I probably would have stayed home, but it was at my house. So I didn't really have a choice. People were coming over and I had to rally. But it's, it was amazing to watch. It's been amazing to watch over the years 
how the, the very thing I'm feeling like I don't have the energy for and I'm not ready to host people and all that. And then, man, the Lord shows up and I end up being so refreshed and so encouraged by the time with my friends. It's just been consistently true. And so, man, that is our hope is that life groups would be a, a place of rest for the weary. Jesus said to his disciples, we got to get away and just chill together. And so we need that. So that's, that's kind of life group principle number one, if you will, a place of rest for the weary. Okay, number two, as we get into this story a little bit, they get away to rest and people find them. People track them down. In fact, not just a few people, thousands of people find them. This is the story as we go into John chapter 6 where the feeding of the 5,000 happens. This happens on the heels of them being exhausted. And so they track them down in this desolate place. It's part of why there's no food available because they slipped away somewhere private. All these people show up and it's not just 5,000 people. The scripture says 5,000 men and then there's also women and children. It could have been fifteen or 20,000 people easily. And so there is a massive amount of people and so Jesus, um, you know, these people come and they hear him teach and they're hungry. And then the disciples are trying to figure out what are we going to do. And so they're concerned. They don't have a good solution. They, they, what do we do here? And so Jesus even kind of has some dialogue with like Philip and Andrew. And here's how we're going to do this. He even asks them some questions. Do you have any ideas? Andrew shows up and says, well, this kid's got a few loaves of bread and some fish. And, you know, it could feed like two people maybe. And Jesus says, here's what we're going to do. Have everybody sit down. We're going to pray over the food we have, and then we're going to disperse it. You guys are going to help me disperse it, and we're going to feed everybody here. And so let's pick up the story right here in John chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Here's the, here's the beauty of how Jesus works. You know, he could have just done the miracle himself, but he involved his disciples in the process. And in the same way that they would find rest and encouragement with one another, they served together. Jesus invited them to participate in service. There is something about linking arms with other people and serving and meeting needs. And so there's going to be times in our life groups where we literally serve the members of the life group and, and care for one another. There's also going to be times where life groups are going to look outwardly and go, how, how can we be a blessing to others around us? And so it's essential that we learn to serve together. I also love this. I, I don't think it's... It, it would be easy to just kind of miss this in the story. They eat together. They break bread together. There were leftovers. There was plenty left over for the disciples, so it wasn't just serving. Their needs were also met. They broke bread. They ate together. You know, Jesus didn't just tell the disciples, meet me at 9 a.m. every morning, and we're going to get to work, and then we'll clock out at 5, and y'all can go home to your families. They, they lived life together. They had meals together. And so learning to serve and eat together is of utmost importance. I kind of like to even put it this way, learning to work and play together. You know, one of the things I've enjoyed about my friendship with Alex is, like, we have fun working together. We do. I mean, there's times where maybe we just kind of get busy and lost in that, but I feel like we're able to find laughs along the way pretty regularly. Yeah. 
Our staff meetings alone can be an adventure sometimes. Um, but we need to do that. Like, I, I feel like that's a lost element sometimes. Like, our life groups shouldn't just be, well, let's show up and get to work, and we're going to serve, and let's dig in. It's like, have friendships with each other. Get to know, learn each other's quirks and personality types. Learn each other's sense of humor. Learn to laugh together. And, and that's the kind of thing that happens when we stop and we have a meal, you know, we're around the table. You know, whether your life group specifically has a meal every week or not doesn't matter. The idea is gathering around the table, sharing life, learning to serve alongside each other, and, and learning to, to laugh and play and have fun together. Does that make sense? Okay, so a place of rest for the weary and a place to serve together and eat together. Third, third thing. The story doesn't end there. That all kind of that, that whole moment kind of wraps up and the people begin to dissipate and it's going into the evening. And so Jesus goes off by himself to pray and the disciples get in a boat and they set out across the water to sail to the other side. And along the way, a huge storm comes. And because of this storm, not only are the winds and waves rough, but they can't sail across. They're rowing across. They're struggling for miles trying to get across this storm. And it was exhausting. And so in the midst of the rowing and the struggle and trying to get to the other side and in the midst of the storm, things get really scary because there's something weird out there walking on the water. You know, I think if we place ourselves in the story, you know, we know, oh, that's Jesus walking on the water. How cool. What a neat miracle. That was not their reaction. They were terrified. What are we seeing? What is happening? It was scary. And there are going to be times in life that are not just exhausting. They're, they're hard. They're terrifying. You're wondering if you're going to make it. And so in the midst of that storm, that he gets closer and then he communicates with them. John 6, verse 20. But Jesus said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. You know what I love about this? There's a few things I love. Number one, when life is hard and the storms come, it's really good to have people in your boat. One of the things that has saddened me as a pastor over the years is to watch how many people wait until the tragedy and difficulty of life comes, and then they're looking around for help. Man, if you already know the people that are in your corner, that when tragedy comes, you barely even have to make a phone call, and they're just on it. They're there. They're with you. They're present. Like, like you got to have people in your boat for when the storm comes. But you also need to have the kind of people in your boat who are going to invite Jesus to jump in there with you, who aren't just going to go, oh, yeah, we're drowning here. I don't know. Hopefully we'll make it. No, we can invite Jesus in because sometimes the scariest storms and situations we're facing, he's right in the middle of it doing something miraculous. He's going to show up in the midst of the storm. And so when we're, we're in the boat with each other and we're inviting Jesus into the boat, we get to see miracles take place. We get to see miracles take place when we hang in there together. So when life is hard, you need people in your boat. Okay, number four. They get to the other side safely. The folks who had gotten all that food the day before, man, they're like, that was pretty cool. And so they're trying to track Jesus down. And so they eventually discover that he's on the other side. They go around the other side. They track them down. They meet them there. And they begin to have this dialogue. And they're like, we're hungry. We want some more to eat. Now, there is a whole long passage here from John 6, verse 26 through 58. 
where this dialogue takes place. But I just want to give you a, a sense of what's happening. So they are talking to Jesus about getting physical food because they thought it was really cool they got fed the day before. And Jesus is trying to use it as a lesson to teach them there's something else that you need to feed on regularly. And so we're going to pick this up in John 6, verses 34 and 35, and then we're going to read verse 41 as well. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. They're still thinking physical. And so Jesus tries to make it clear to them. He says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. As is so often the case, they wanted Jesus on their terms, not his terms. And he said, I actually know what you need and what you need to feed on. And it's me. It's the life that comes from me. It's the words that I speak and the life that I'm living. He was offering them deeper food. Now, where they were mistaken is their desire was misplaced. They were looking for something practical and tangible that they could get their hands on. But they did truly have a need for daily bread. And Jesus saw the need and offered it to them. Our, our life groups are meant to be a place where we can feast on God's word together. Where we can digest it. We can pick it apart. We can understand it and see it apply to our life. We can, we can ask questions about how does this fit and what, God, what is God saying and see, part of the reason why we need each other to unpack the Word of God, because I get it. If you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Him and you open up His Word, man, He'll meet you and talk to you. You should practice that daily, spending time with Him and growing in His Word. But if I don't bring other people into that journey, man, I start to, I can project a lot of my own thoughts and opinions and ideas onto it. I can begin to to, to frame it in such a way where it says what I want it to say into my moment. I mean, I'm sure none of you have ever done that. I'm probably the only one that struggles with that. But other people come along inside and say, no, hey, actually, this is what Jesus is saying here. And, and by the way, I, I know you and I love you, and this is what's really going on. I care about you enough to speak that truth into your life. And so we feast on God's word together. We strengthen each other. Listen, our life group should be a place for fun and food, for shelter in the storm. But if God's word is not a part of it, if we're not feasting on his word together, it's a social club. It's not a place where discipleship is happening. We need the word of God present so we can see it come alive in our lives. All right, Jesus is the living word and it's meant to come alive in us. And then finally, this kind of goes along with that point, but I... I I think it's important to make this as a separate fifth point. Jesus continues in his dialogue with them, trying to help them understand what you need is me and not physical food, that he gets so extreme with his example that he says, okay, you want me to really help you understand this? You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I mean, they were like, wait, what? They, they freaked out. They panicked. In fact, many of them were like, we're out of here. This is getting crazy. But what Jesus did when he said that, there were people who stuck around and engaged with him. They're like, what are you talking about? And so he unpacks for them, I'm talking about spiritual things. 
I'm talking, the words I speak, they're spirit and they are life. And it says in the scripture that there were people doubting that couldn't believe. It also said that there were people there who eventually were going to be the ones that would betray him. Judas is present. And so Jesus is sitting with a group of people who are doubting and struggling to believe. People who would um, maybe not deny him completely, but would leave and forsake him. His disciples did that eventually. Peter is an example. Judas is present. Judas betrays him to his death. But Jesus' group of people was a safe place where difficult things that were hard to understand could be wrestled through in a safe environment. Jesus was willing to hear their questions. He would ask them questions back. He would explain hard-to-understand parables. We see that in the Scripture. And so when we gather, it should be a place where we can wrestle through the things we don't quite understand, hard things, and figure it out together. And we got to be able to ask hard questions or say, I don't know if I agree with that, or I'm not really sure what that's talking about there. And if we're kind of like looking down our noses at people who maybe haven't learned as much as we have, or we're looking in judgment because we think we've got it figured out and they're wrong, we're missing the boat. We've got to have a safe place where we can wrestle and grow, where we can look at real hard things happening in our country, real hard things happening in our personal lives, and even the difficult words of Jesus that are hard to understand, and have a place where we can wrestle through those together and not just immediately fear, man, if I ask that question, they're like labeling me this or kicking me out. Or we got to have a safe place to wrestle and grow. But it's not just about wrestling through the difficult things we don't understand. Jesus also invites difficult people into his inner circle. Jesus had to deal with Peter. Uh, man, the truth is, if Peter was a guy I'd been discipling, I would have bailed on him a long time ago. But Jesus saw through that. He, he saw who Peter could be and what he could become, and he hung in there with Peter. Listen, he knew what Judas was going to do, but he included that guy in his group. We are so quick to judge and to label people, and, and we're so resistant to difficult relationships. Now listen, I'm not talking about enabling abusive relationships, okay? There's another message for healthy boundaries, and I'm not talking about supporting abusive, unhealthy relationships. But I think we're pretty quick to just label somebody difficult and decide I now get to opt out of that relationship. When Jesus might put that difficult person in your life for a reason, for your benefit and theirs. And so we may not always love every single person that comes to our life group. It might be a challenging place. You know, we hear the scripture as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It sounds great, right? Like, yeah, we're getting our swords all sharp and awesome. No, 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 that's metal grinding against metal. That's not a good feeling. Like, you're not the one holding the sword in that analogy. You are the sword. You're getting grinded on. The rough edges are being chipped away, and, and God will actually use rough people to rub off your rough edges, right? That's how a whetstone works. And so the difficult, a place where we can wrestle and grow with the difficult things we may not understand that scripture says, and with difficult people because it's good for them and good for us. Does that make sense? So those are kind of our five, our five key things, okay? A place of rest for the weary, 
place where we can serve and eat together, um, a place where we can flip back to our notes, because I can't remember five things at once, apparently. When life is hard, there's people in your boat, um, a place to feast on God's word together, and a place to wrestle and grow. That's our hope for our life groups. So let me give you some practical information really quick. There's, there's two different things we're going to be doing right now. Um, one is we have three life groups that are active, and one of them has just split to become two, and another one's on the verge. So we might be talking about four life groups relatively soon. But right now we have three life groups happening. I'm going to have the people come up in about 30 seconds. I'm going to introduce them to you, the ones that are in town this weekend, that are hosting. And you can meet them today. You can talk to them and ask questions. Um, if, you, if you think you know you're in, you can go ahead and give them your contact info. If you're unsure and you want to think about it some more, we've got these little flyers you can take. I've got some up here, and there's some at the connection table as you go. This side lists the information. This side is a map that gives you a rough idea of where the locations are. And, and there's an email where you can just email us and say, I have more questions or I'd like to join a group. Okay, so that's one of the things that we're offering right now. The other thing that we're doing um, at the end of September, my wife and I for, uh, for four weeks are going to host a class. We're just calling the foundations class. And class is the wrong word. We're going we're gonna to invite you over to our home. We're going to have a meal together. I will teach for 20 or 30 minutes about some foundational things we believe as a church so you know who we are. And then you can ask questions and we'll have discussion. And so it's meant for us to personally get to know each other and also for you to get to know just who we are as a church and ask questions. And so we're going to meet four times. We're going to do it bi-weekly because we want to make sure it's something you can fit into your schedule. Um, and so that'll be the, the last Wednesday in September, two Wednesdays in October, and one at the beginning of November, and then that'll be done. So it's a four-week four, four week thing that we're doing. Um, and you can sign up for that as well. We're, gonna, we're, we're waiting until the end of September to give time for people to sign up. We're going to give a few Sundays to announce that. So you can jump in on that foundations class. You can join one of the three life groups. So let me introduce you to everybody. Is that good? Can we do that? Okay, awesome. So really quickly, um, can the Richmonds and Pinellas maybe come stand right, right about here? Awesome. Can you guys make them feel welcome? Okay, and so y'all can hold these fancy pieces of paper, so if anybody comes and talks to you and wants to join your group, you can write their names on there. Babe, would you mind grabbing, there's pens right there in that pocket, would you mind grabbing those? Okay, so this is Nick, um, his wife Kristen is not here this morning, but Nick and Kristen are going to be hosting this group in their home. Um, Rob and Sarah are elders at our church, they're one of the founding families that moved out here with us from Franklin. These guys have been in a group together along with several others in our midst, and so this group is branching into two, and these guys are going to be co-leading this group together. It's the one on here that meets in Farragut. You just kind of head out North Shore about as far as you can go, but you're still technically in Knox County, and you'll get to where they're at. So that group is open. Okay, next group, oh, they're on Monday nights at 6.30. It's all on, the, on here, but Monday nights at 6.30, they do dinner. Okay, the other Monday night group, Bob and Diane Spencer, if y'all would come up, you can kind of stand right here. Um, our good friends, Franz and Anna, um, are, are, are going to be hosting this group along with them. So I guess y'all probably only need one of those. I printed one for them. They're, um, they're seeing some family, I think, for Labor Day weekend or something. So 
Um, but they're going to be hosting the group. This group's meeting in like the Cedar Bluff area, and it's also on Monday nights at 6.30, and you're also doing dinner together. They eat together, okay? So those are our two Monday night groups. And then our third group is a Tuesday night group. So our, did Andrew have to go? Is he like in class or doing something? Here comes Dira. Come on up, Dira. Um, so Alex and Crystal and Dira and her husband Andrew are co-leading this group together. Um, Andrew's probably helping out in the kids area, isn't he? Yeah. All right. So he's with the kids. So they're co-leading a group. This group meets really close to this location. Crystal and Alex are hosting it in their home. It's right around the corner from here. And I have little forms for you guys. So this is the Hawkins and Sorianos, and they meet on Tuesday nights. Hey, sweet girl. Oh, my gosh. Those cheeks are, like, the best thing ever. Um, you guys are 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights? They're 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. All right, so I'm going to pray and dismiss these guys will hang around for a few minutes. If you just want to ask them some questions, you can do that. You don't have to commit because you walked up and said hi. Um, you can ask them some questions. You can sign up and jump into one of their groups if you'd like to do that. Um, I'm going to hang around as well. And if you're interested in the foundations class, I can talk to you more about that and get your info for that as well. Um, if you need to go, you can grab one of these and go and just email us this week. You can also grab them again at the connection table on the way out. All right. Are there any obvious things I missed? Can you guys think of anything I should have shared that I didn't? Okay. Oh, yeah, we make child care available at these groups. The, the church makes sure that there's babysitting. And so if you have child care, let us know just so we can prepare. But, but child care is available. All right. Well, let me pray, and then y'all are dismissed. And I'd encourage you to mingle around and maybe join a group. It'd be awesome. All right, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this morning, God, to worship together, to pray together, to get into your word a little bit. God, thank you that you designed us for relationship with you and you designed us to be in relationship with one another. God, I thank you that, that you are constantly growing us, shaping us, healing us. God, you are pouring your love into our lives and you are teaching us how to share that with other people. And God, I thank you that we can link arms and learn to do that together. Lord, I, just, I pray for the right folks at the right time to jump into a group. God, com commit to walking through life with people. God, thank you for what you've already been doing in these groups. We believe for more that you're going to continue to do to grow people in their walk with you and their love for you and their ability to share your love with others. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.